0: Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the OpVac Cast. This is episode 10, and we're live from South by Southwest. I'm Steve Cuff, and joining me as always, Sean Glynis. Hello. Adam Myros, how are you enjoying the beautiful sunny city of Austin? Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: what was that? <laughs> <laughs> well that's one <laughs>
0: Is your is your This mic is coming? all great. <laughs> <laughs> I ask you how you're enjoying the, the this beautiful, beautiful city and you just <laughs> I,
1: I said it was wonderful. What <laughs>
0: Okay, that that didn't come through too well.
2: It's okay, we're
0: we're fine. Steve Coleman, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Got plenty of, uh, you know, uh, talcum potter on my crotch. In yeah, all a lot of, lot, of, lot of sun. Mm-hmm. Drinking,
0: barbecue. Uh, you
3: I love barbecue. the barbecue down here.
2: Oh, God,
0: yeah. The I love, I love uh, lone, lone Star Beer, the official beer of Texas. Yeah, I uh, hear it's quite affordable. It's, it is. It's 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 wonderful. It's wonderful. And I'm glad that we spent most of the week just walking around together shopping for matching white linen suits. And I'm glad we were able to pull that off. Yeah. Because if it's one thing that I've learned, it's about like being seen and having the right look, and I think that's the right look for Optimism vaccine.
2: Uh, I really helps. enjoyed watching that Wisconsin game at Stubbs Barbecue.
1: <laughs> Why,
2: yes, that's definitely a thing that we did.
1: Ah, uh, Yes.
0: I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed all of the fabulous movies that we saw at the South by Southwest Film Festival. I, I was especially fond of that midnight screening of The Legend of Bagger Vance. That's my
1: favorite Robert Redford
0: film.
2: Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> just just an ace ace performance that's from good. Will Smith. It's like quick name one film that's playing at South by Southwest. <laughs> Le- Legend of you Bagger Vance. Keep- <laughs> What's that, Steve?
2: I was wondering who did a Q and A there. I was gonna say Shia LaBeouf, but he was in the greatest game ever played, not oh, Bagger Vance. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, you know,
0: they showed that, and then they did a back-to-back double feature. It was Tin Cup and Bagger Vance. So you, you can uh, I imagine. Knew the, oh. I knew the Tin
2: Cup was coming. Uh Rene Russo.
0: Boy, I was I was really fanboying. Let me tell you.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, I, I preferred her work in Bandits. <laughs>
1: Uh, Was okay. she ransom?
3: <laughs> Can we do like a a Rene Russo retrospective that'll be like five minutes?
1: <laughs>
3: it plays a lot of I, don't, I don't think that wives. would be a very
0: long episode at all. <laughs> I don't know how well that would go over. I don't know. I, I hear I hear five minute podcasts are all the rage these days, though. So I have heard. Yeah. It's all about uh, it's about microcasting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but they're calling it out in Silicon Valley. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we've been watching all of us collectively have been watching a shit ton of TV lately, uh, which is a little unorthodox for me. But you know, you guys have, have bullied me into it for the sake of the podcast, so I'll take it. But I'm glad that you did uh, because I've actually I've been watching a show that kind of fits in with the whole next step. Theme that you guys went with for one of our articles a few weeks ago. Uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, I, uh, every, you guys have all watched this, right? Uh,
3: I, I've seen the first eight episodes.
0: Steve, could you sing the theme song for everybody, if that's
2: they alive? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember. Unbreakable.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. That, that was the perfect key.
3: Has has everybody else gone through the whole thing?
0: Yeah, I um, me and Amanda binged it in like a day and a half. We just went right through the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I I did about the same. Yeah. So, what were you impressed? Especially,
0: I guess you know the the obvious thing is. So this is this is from Tina Fey and that other guy, uh, of Thirty Rock fame. So the the comparison is sort of inevitable here. So with that in mind. How is this? How is it similar to Thirty Rock, and how is it different? And is it is it better? Is it worse?
2: Well, there's quick uh, like screwball type of comedy to it. I mean, yeah, it's mm-hmm. very farcical. <clears throat> yeah, I uh,
0: the the humor uh, you- is definitely it. It feels like it's in the same universe to me. Um, it's it's definitely a different show, and it, it definitely doesn't feel like a big network show the way Thirty Rock had a tendency to. Uh, but you don't think of
1: the he... humor in the characters. What's that, Maros? You don't. You didn't like to me. I got I got a distinct NBC feel from it, and I I know it was kind of developed with that in mind. But uh, it it felt like NBC. Like it, it could have aired on NBC to me. Like I I mm-hmm. got a network vibe from it. I suppose. Uh, I don't know. I liked it. I didn't well, love it.
2: <laughs> it's just so New York, right? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Only Reminds me of another York. show I love New York
2: only in New York
3: <laughs> yeah maybe so maybe we should just get everybody's uh uh like you know first first reaction myros you got yours out of the way <laughs>
2: <laughs> so just shut up now
3: like I just mean like whether you liked it whether you disliked it it's hard not to like right it's got a great central performance.
1: oh my god but, uh I don't know for
0: Gave, gave me a little robot there, Myles. It's okay. Uh no, I, I liked it a lot too, and I I agree, like it completely hinges on the uh performance of woman whose name I can't think of. Give me one second. Ellie Kemper. <laughs> there we go. Uh Sean, what do you think?
3: Yay or nay? Uh I'm I'm more nay. Like there's plenty of stuff to like about it, but the stuff that I don't like uh overshadows um the stuff that I do like
2: okay all right Steve what, what do you think I'm kind of in the same boat um I haven't finished the entire series like Sean I'm at about episode eight or nine right now mm-hmm. but um while there are definitely moments that are very good like overall I'm actually surprised at like the broad stereotypes that the show seems to paint with its proverbial brush
3: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah uh, well I, I mean yeah Dong, dong's a little bit of a uh, of a one-dimensional character. <laughs> Penis joke. Get it? Yeah,
3: I keep hearing, uh, 16 Candles throwback. Right, yeah.
0: Yeah. That character's a little rough around the edges. Um, I don't, the thing, the thing that I really like about it, especially compared to 30 Rock, is it, I can see why it got rejected by NBC, like why it didn't end up airing there, because, um, because it hinges on Ellie Kemper, Ellie Kemper Kemper, whatever her name is, it hinges on her performance so much, and I guarantee when they brought it to the network, because if I'm correct, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this one, Tina Fey wrote it specifically for her, but she's not really a big name, obviously. So I'm guessing that they brought the show to NBC and they were like, yeah, that's a great idea, just cast people that we care about. And they were like, no, that's, that's not going to happen. And I'm glad they didn't cave because I think that, uh, her performance and then her roommate's performance on the show are both, uh, they're, they're pretty fantastic, so.
1: So am, am I hearable now? I'm not roboting on you here.
0: No, you're not, uh, you sound like a man. Cool. You all, you're all a
1: man. Let's, uh, talk while I can then. Um I would say to me that the biggest flaw with the, the show is, like, it, evokes 30 Rack so much from the score to the presentation. It, everything about it is, is really similar to 30 Rack. And then, uh, but 30 Rack had this thing where it was a lot of madcap antics, uh, but it was grounded, you know, it was essentially... It, it was autobiographical it was you know basically riffing on tina fey's own experiences in life and sure sure and this show takes that same madcap nonsense and applies it to a pretty madcap nonsense central conceit so there's like nothing tethering it to the ground so that that's where it doesn't really work for me
3: Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah, it's there's there's no character alongside that that's like um I, I, there's not really a true audience surrogate, but there's also not really like an everyman either. No, yeah. There's and there's you know, no not.
1: But, and there's no real breakout character either. Like you know, there's no there's no Donaghy. That's for sure. It's <laughs> Alec Baldwin's not walking in the door. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, the the best example of that is probably uh, Jane uh, Krakowski's character, Jacqueline Voorhees. You know, the the rich mm-hmm. uh, divorcee. Because
3: the Native her, American. Yeah, the Native
0: American, the blonde Native American, of course. Uh her character is basically identical to her character on Thirty Rock, but it just feels like so much more, just detached and out of this world. And it's it, yeah, it gets a little odd at times.
3: Yeah. Same with same with Kimmy Kimmy Schmidt, uh, the woman playing her, uh, role, um, and her role on The Office.
0: Yeah, I can <coughs> excuse me, I can definitely see that. Yeah, it's definitely similar.
1: Yeah, I, I think that, uh, the Jacqueline Voorhees, like all that stuff was the biggest problem for me. Like I, I just, it felt so tired at this point. Like I was like, okay. Whereas her character really worked in 30 Rack, at this point it was just like, I I've, I've seen this. It's, it's just rehashing the same sort of comedy. Yeah. And it, it totally fell flat to me. Like, the, the, I think it had a lot of momentum towards the middle of the season. Like I really loved the episode where she goes to, uh, you know, night school with Richard Kind as some, um, yeah. like, tripped-out teacher. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then there's, the, yeah, the follow-up episode, I think, is, like, the one where they're doing that music video, like, gorilla style. And then both of those had me, like, buying in. And it it, it kind of lost momentum after that, though. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. Those are probably the two best episodes. Um, but, yeah,
0: the, the, the actual character, Kimmy Schmidt, I mean – for me, that's that's really what carried me through the whole, sh- whole show. There's not a ton of belly laughs. It's not cool. like Thirty Rock where I was consistently cracking up, but she's just so charming in in the role. It's hard not to like it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'm a cold-hearted man like Sean Glennis. I would agree with that. And that's like the way I'm built. This is actually the subject of my my next uh, Shepherd Express piece. Is uh, Plug time. Uh, I'm, uh, comparing it to, uh, another show, uh, based on, well, well, the creator made one of the more influential seminal comedies of his generation and then went to a less restricted medium for his, his follow-up, and that would be one Larry David with, uh, with Curb Your Enthusiasm. And that's, oh. that was kind of what, what disappointed me about, uh, Kimmy Schmidt is, is it did the whole way? It felt like something that I could have been watching primetime on NBC. And Curb never felt that way, you know? No. Well, and I guess in, in Kimmy
0: Schmidt's defense, uh, because it was originally supposed to be, you know, a network show, we could possibly see it, you know, a second season, a third season where they start to kind of push boundaries a little bit more and do things that they probably couldn't get away with on NBC. But then again, at the same time, just, the way the show plays out and how it's sort of, it's its a little more innocent, a little more PG, and it just kind of, that's thats kind of the the mood that it sort of sets. So maybe, I guess it wouldn't be appropriate for it to go full Larry David.
1: No, yeah, I, I don't think it ever will. I, I'm interested to see what they do with it now that it's, you know, divested from network television. But uh, Well, Adam, I, I, I got,
2: oh, sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go, no, no, well, go ahead. Yeah, go, go. Well I'm just wondering what you thought of sour grapes, since that was like Larry David's very next step from uh Seinfeld. Oh Lord. Have, you, have
1: you seen I, I've seen it, uh and I'm a unabashed super fan of Larry David's television work and I thought sour grapes was
3: garbage. Huh. <laughs> what's
0: what's his other movie,
2: his uh his like Woody Allen
3: movie?
2: Whatever it Yeah he Larry movie, although he took his name off at the last minute. What was that? Yeah, say that the, one more time. Uh, Larry David was involved with envy with uh Ben Stiller and Jack Black oh, right. but uh Oh, I feel like I we talked know. about this or something, right?
1: It was like yeah, a poop joke or something. <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> go back to- before we before we go too far from uh, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, mm-hmm. um I I guess I'd like to articulate uh, some some of my um problems with it and and maybe since I feel like me and Coleman are sort of more on the same page, maybe maybe you can tell me whether you agree or not. Um, my my problems with it were were more more about like the overall feeling of the show that I got. Mm. Um, so I I felt like it was very like criticism du jour. Uh, like it was it was sort of like a rundown of of the last five think pieces on Salon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like but but like permeating through like all of these side things so maybe that wasn't pushed through with the central character but everything surrounding her um was just like uh oh, you know those white people um or, or like catcalling that's a problem that we should address with this this construction yeah. worker that's let's take actually time out over- of the
0: narrative. Yeah, let's take time out of the narrative to address gentrification for fifteen seconds.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the and the yeah, and the repressed homosexuality and stuff like that. But like so it it feels like it's trying to like touch on all these things, but it's like the the opposite of scathing and it kind of feels annoying to me. And it also feels like it's coming from um it feels like it's coming from a bunch of white people talking about how terrible white people are, which is fine, but, like, in, like, this very, like, well, this is the thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I felt I, like there was an obligation for them to address those points. Yeah. And I don't think they said anything important or unique. It's just like, oh, well, this is a thing let's talk about really quick and then make it funny. And, like, I didn't feel like there was anything... Like specifically with that construction worker doing the cat calls, who is revealed to be gay. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> there, it was more of a plot point for um, one of the main characters to prove that he's still got it, that he's not this aging. Right. <laughs>
3: yeah. And it's,
2: I don't know. And. It's just kind of like reach for the headlines and talk about what's important instead of saying anything important about why we need to discuss these things.
3: Exactly. Yeah,
0: I think I think it would have worked better, too, if if these things were more central to the actual plot of each episode. But, yeah, but they're not. They're just these brief, it's like, like the 10, selfie. 15 seconds to
3: Like when they make fun of the way that uh, these women take selfies. It's like it doesn't – it's not characterizing these people anymore. Like, like, we already know what type of people they are. So – Instead of characterizing them with, like, the way that women take selfies, they're just, like, making fun of this entire demographic.
1: Well, I, I mean, I would say that that's just the way that they, that Tina Fey and co-creator have always kind of trafficked in humor. It's, it's just quick gag humor. And I don't have a problem with that. I, for me, more, more where it fell flat was just how tired a lot of it felt. Like, as catchy as the theme song may be when the show opened with a, and auto tune the news joke i was like "Ooh, what are we in for here <laughs> i was like boy that was fresh 10 years ago uh yeah I, I don't know it's just a lot of it just kind of felt like it'd been done and i i don't know i guess it it kind of felt to me like a bit like another follow up one like when Whedon followed up or Buffy with Angel, and it it for the bulk of that show, watching it, it felt like some D roll characters from Buffy just slapped into a new setting. And and Kimmy Schmidt kind of feels that way to me. Like all of these characters could be like minor players in Thirty Rock that just all of a sudden are the featured players in this new show. And it's like, well, nah, do they have enough to carry the the material at?
3: I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I did like, however, the, um, although it had been done as well, as we talked about on our last podcast, the, uh, Kaiser Sose joke.
0: That that was pretty good. I liked yeah. that a lot. <laughs> that was a good, that was one of the few jokes where it legitimately got a good, good belly laugh out of me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Richard Kind, again, he was the MVP for me when he was on yeah. screen. I was, no. I was
3: laughing my ass off. No. I'm glad you mentioned him because, uh, yeah, I, I, I was hoping that he was gonna be on it more.
1: Yeah, that, the way they played that whole thing, like, uh, you had just watched, uh, The Affair, too, (laughs) and they played that, uh, like, teacher, I don't know, the the bench, where they basically, like, fire you, but don't fire you, and they played it in, like, this total hell. I was trying to figure out where that was that I had seen that recently. (laughs) Right, the The Affair, that thing's, like, played out as this, personal hell where everyone goes to die and go insane, and then in Kimmy Schmidt it's like Richard Kind is like angling to get into this.
3: <laughs> yeah, why couldn't, why couldn't the show just have, just have taken place in this school and been about Richard Kind? I want that spin-off. Just welcome back, <laughs> Connor, with Richard Kind? Welcome back, Kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if the show
0: is successful, maybe that'll be the spin-off. I'd watch it.
1: <laughs> well, I think again, Dong's character worked a lot better in that setting too, because it was indeed, you know, John Hughes, so mm-hmm. yeah, right. <laughs> made more sense, right?
0: Um, before I forget about it, I gotta say, uh fuck you, Myros. Uh, I watched I Zombie, good. God, all fucking mighty. What? Uh, so this is really? This is the uh, yeah. This is the the follow up to uh, Veronica Mars. It's from the same creators. So here, Sean, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a pitch. Let's see if you're interested. I I watched it. Oh, you watched it? Okay. Did you did you enjoy it? I I really enjoyed it. Oh my God. That's it.
3: I'm done. I quit. <laughs> I'm defecting. Let's have Yay. a civil discourse
0: here. I'm just I'm uh, just gonna I'm just gonna take my services to the AV club. I'm done with you guys. <laughs>
3: I actually I actually read the AV club write uh, right up and they uh they they wrote a, a favorable review as well. Myros, uh, you liked it? Uh yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was quite enjoyable. Although I thought it
1: suffered from some of the similar issues we were just discussing where they took a really similar writing style and, and tethered it to a uh a out there premise, you know. <laughs>
3: Yeah. So so Steve, you're you're telling me that um if I came to you or if my elevator pitch was uh Warm Bodies meets early edition meets monk, you wouldn't be sold? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would probably strangle you in the elevator.
0: <laughs> um No, I, I would I would actually yeah, no. It's I mean, you try to explain it to people, it's just like, yeah, so this, there's a zombie outbreak, except it's not really an outbreak, it's just a thing that happens because of drugs. And then this woman turns into a zombie psychic powers, and she's a psychic zombie detective mortician. But she's not a psychic. But she's, well, I mean, I, I guess it sort of depends, because she, she eats the brains of dead people, and then she can see and feel what what they've been through and then takes on some of their characteristics and knowledge. So, you know, it's uh, it's it's something. It just seems like so many different things stitched together. Huh. Where, I mean, I- Veronica Mars was very simple. Her dad's a private detective. She's this, like, spunky, intelligent daughter, and then she solves the crimes. And this is just that with all kinds of dumb bullshit heaped on top of it.
3: Uh, I, I thought it was light and enjoyable and quippy, and I thought um, it seemed uh, it seemed like it kind of knew what it was doing, or at least it knew where it was going to go, um, and it sort of played with some of those. Uh, like I, I, was like, okay, is this just going to be a procedural like early edition meets like detective stuff? But uh, I don't know. It seems it seems more creative. I think it needs a cat that brings the newspaper every day.
0: That would probably seal it for me.
1: I like how early edition is something I would discover. The, oh, the it's, a, from, it's a, a procedural, like, early edition. You know what? As far as I'm concerned, every conversation is enhanced with early edition <laughs> references. Uh, well, I, I couldn't very well take Friday Night Lights seriously when I went to revisit that based on... <laughs> I was like, oh, you're
3: God. not going to sit down for bloodline?
1: anything with Kyle
3: Chandler I'm like oh boy why don't you go get the fucking newspaper asshole (laughs) our our, uh, you mean the doppelganger of our host Steve (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's why I love early edition so much Uh, I love it for Fisher Stevens
2: (laughs) that's a a good poll there uh, Spike from uh, Super Mario Brothers the movie
1: oh (laughs) I did yep. not know that. No, oh, that's true. That's true. Another good
0: poll. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it was just, I'm, I'm sick of zombie stuff. I don't care about paranormal detectiving, and I just, I'm, I'm just tired. All, all the things that it 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 uses, I'm tired of it. I can't deal.
2: Well, I am too. Like, why do we need paranormal? Just give me normal. I know. Just give me normal. Just give me normal. Stop fucking around. Right. You know, the last good, uh, the last good paranormal
0: detective show was that uh, that Jeff Goldblum has ESP show that aired for two episodes and was promptly canceled. What was Raines? that? It? I think it was yeah. Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's start that hashtag trending. Hashtag bring back Rains. Come on, CBS. Uh, hey Hollywood. Hollywood. Hey
1: Hollywood. You know, you know why I liked iZombie is because of the exact set of it you just expressed. Uh, none of these things should work. And they're all very tired, and this show didn't feel tired at all to me. Like it, it was, it I was agree. entertaining. It was, you know, it was, it was bubbly. It was fun. I'm interested in where it goes. And as someone who did enjoy Veronica Mars, I'm quite surprised at your virulently negative uh, reaction, Steve. Because uh, it was incredibly tonally similar. It's just, uh,
0: again,
3: yeah, oh no,
1: the
0: the writing's good. The quips are good. the The dialogue was great. I just, I don't, I can't deal with the premise. I can't.
3: Uh, i also like uh speaking of how of like unbreakable Kimmy schmidt and how there's there is no audience surrogate and and things like that i i really liked how i i really liked um the the main the titular zombie um her relationship to the uh the dude who um what do they call him that works with the dead bodies um the british guy who acts as like a perfect audience surrogate and uh has also this very like orphan black kind of relationship. Between the two, sure, I could see that at that point.
1: I I really like the the main. I have no idea who she is. I couldn't tell you her name or what she's been in or if she's been in anything. But the the main girl in this, you know, like much like Kristen Bell kind of broke out from Veronica Mars, I could, I could very well see the same for this girl. Ah. We need we need
0: Connor here to tell us who this person is.
1: It's her breakout <laughs> role. It is her breakout yeah. role. Yeah, and she's owning it. She's very good in the pilot, I'll say that. And I, yeah, that side character really worked. I think the the problem for me was if anything, I don't give a damn about the police detective thing like that. That felt kind of forced and uh yeah. like that guy was nothing to write home
3: about, that's for sure. Well uh let's uh uh Steve as you as you continue watching uh don't forget that her character's name is Liv Moore.
0: <laughs> is that is that really her fucking name?
1: Yeah,
3: that's her name.
0: Oh my god, I must not have caught that. Jesus Christ. Her name is Liv Moore. Oh.
1: It's a comic book. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god. Um yeah. I also other, like how the uh the the guy who plays the uh the the mortician or whatever the uh whatever the guy at the morgue. Uh I, I liked his character, but his backstory, again, just like a giant grown eye roll. Just like, yeah, you know, I used to work for the the C D C but uh they kicked me out for asking too many questions. <laughs>
2: Damn it. Fuck you. That's how you lose every job, by the way. Yeah. You ask
1: too many questions. <laughs> well I guess if you, like, working, hey, if you were working if you were working at the fucking CDC. And you're like, hey, why are we prepared for the zombie apocalypse? Then you'd probably be fucking
3: fired. Yeah, I I can see that. It's (laughs) funny funny because he doesn't ask Liv any questions. Yeah, he really,
0: he really. Well, you know, he asks her why she puts hot sauce on her brains. I suppose. Yeah. It's
2: a good question. (laughs) Uh okay. Well, uh, go ahead, Steve. What's that? Everybody loves sriracha.
3: Everybody (laughs) Everybody loves sriracha.
2: Yeah, that's why. Yeah. All right, well, you know what? For for you Sean
0: and for you Myros, I will watch another episode. I will give it another chance. Uh, th- they nice with me though. They nice. Hey,
1: <laughs> if I if if you wanted to get angry about something. Yeah, if you wanted to get angry about something, uh, you could get angry if I told you to watch Battle Creek.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Serial City USA, baby. Is that that's another crime show, isn't it?
1: It is indeed, yeah. It, it's got Vince Gilligan of Breaking Bad fame's name slapped on it, but it, it's it's actually run by the guy who did House... Uh, MD. Yes, House MD, and uh, it's terrible, so don't watch it.
0: <laughs> All right, you didn't really have to sell me on that. I mean... I've been to Battle Creek multiple times. It's incredibly boring. Uh, so, yeah, aside from breakfast cereal, I, I don't... And that doesn't really make for a good murder, I guess. Unless they find a guy, like, face down in his cornflakes, and that's the and plot. And they
3: look for the cereal <laughs> that's, killer. That's, that's the plot.
1: Every oh week. Oh, my
0: God, that would be perfect. If a guy was, like, killing people in cereal in Battle Creek, and he was the cereal killer.
1: That's the season
0: right like,
2: there. Like, welcome to Wellville. <laughs> oh jesus christ
0: jesus christ all right um can i talk about Chappie,
1: please Fine. just you a little Chappie? sure i don't, you, you I don't do want, want to talk about Chappie, but i you, i feel like i have to do we want to do community first just to wrap up the tv oh yeah i totally forgot energy.
0: about community and i didn't watch community so tell me if i, I should watch community
1: well I, I guess community fits into this new narrative in that in that it's it's not a follow up because Stan Harmon refuses to uh, give up on this project, but this hmm. is like this is like Community 4.0 at this point. I would say, yeah, uh, I don't know. It, it is Community. I, community is a show for me that uh, has the first season is wonderful, and the rest is there. Uh, it's still got some gags. It's fun. It's funny, but it's not. I, why it's on some like Mount Rushmore of modern television for some folks is beyond me. Uh, I don't know. It's been running on fumes for a long damn time, as, as far as I'm concerned. And
0: you still have the same cast, or did anybody leave? Or
1: no? Uh, again, four point oh. There's attrition every year with Community because uh, Dan Harmon's a cocksucker, and uh, everyone <laughs> hates him. <laughs> is that is that why people leave? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, he drove Chevy Chase out very publicly and then got fired and, uh, came back. And, yeah, no one likes Stan Harmon. There's actually a, a documentary on Netflix now, uh, called, called Har- Har- <laughs> It's called Harmon Town. It's about his uh, podcast. It's, uh, I don't know. It's not very good, but uh, maybe it's worth watching if you're a media junkie. Uh, anyhow, he, he comes across as, as this guy you can sort of, like, like I kind of, on one hand, I kind of profoundly related to him. On the other hand, I wanted to get into a fist fight with him, so that's kind of how I guess <laughs> <laughs> it is basically well, like... Have... All right, sorry, yeah. go ahead. He's basically like a guy who's like, I have my demons, and instead of like doing anything to improve them, I just embrace them, and, and I'm a fuck. Uh, oh, that's so, good. Yeah. yeah. What uh, were
2: you to say, Steve? I was just say, for all of our Shepherd Express fans listening, Dan Harmon is, of course, a Milwaukee boy.
1: Oh. Oh, is he? I didn't know that.
2: Does he? Does he Can hang he, out with a guy yeah. from American Movie? I don't think so. I think he grew up in Whitefish Bay, I believe, but he's a local White Milwaukee people, guy. In fact, I think the like, community was inspired by him going to community college somewhere in the Milwaukee area.
1: Huh? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Has anyone else seen any of the new community of the old community? We have any community opinions here? I've. Uh, I mean, I I like
0: the old one, but I don't know. I, I have no idea what episodes I've seen are from which season because. I, uh, I I I watched it in syndication. So when I didn't have cable, they would show episodes of Community back to back like five nights a week and I would just watch those. So.
1: so So yeah, at this point, uh Chevy Chase is obviously gone uh very okay. publicly. Donald Glover is gone before the last season prior to this Yahoo version. Uh
2: Fish uh, Gambino. You know.
1: Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Uh this time around they replaced Chevy Chase with uh Jonathan Banks, uh Mike the Cleaner from Breaking Bad, who oh. has gone on to uh reprise that role in So not, not
0: Dan Because I would have gone with Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> just uh, sit in a chair and uh just talk about his UFO theories for an hour. <laughs>
1: that would that, that, that would probably be about right at this point. Uh but yeah, Mike uh the cleaner is back as a character I'm Better call Saul, so he's not on the new Yahoo version. Uh, and also Yvette Nicole Brown, uh, left as well. So they're, they're, they've certainly lost a lot of cast members, but, uh, they still forge forward.
3: Well, since we've been talking about, like, uh, follow ups that are, I guess, largely disappointing to us, or, or at least not, well, I guess some of us like Die Zombie, but, um, one that, that is, <laughs> is, um, Is a different kind of follow-up, uh, is one that I know, Myros, you said you had been watching, which is Decker, um, which is, which is Tim, one of, uh, Tim Heidecker's, I guess you could call it a follow-up, but it's also like a spin-off of On Cinema? Yeah, yeah, that, that's (laughs) something. (laughs) But that's something that's, that's, um, you, you know, it's a it's a follow up, or like I said, spin off in a, in a very interesting way, where it's continually uh, shaped by by the original text um, on cinema. Like it it wouldn't exist. You can't you can't watch Decker uh, without, or you can't grasp it what what he's doing without knowing the character in in on cinema in this very bizarre, very Tim Heidecker like way.
1: I you know Decker to me like. It it almost I don't know, I, it doesn't really work that well for me, uh, as much as I appreciate what the hell they're doing. He's, I always appreciate what they're doing. Uh but he, it feels like Heidecker's trying to he's doing his best, like John C. Riley like bad <laughs> acting thing. And John C John C. Riley's an amazing actor and he's amazing at doing the I can't act thing. And Heidecker, he's not John C. Riley. <laughs> no way. Right, but doesn't that help? <laughs> almost, I don't know. Jossie Riley is better at being incompetent.
3: <laughs> right, right, but like, it's so weird, cause like, like I said, like Decker, Decker's almost like, it's not even like its own show almost. It's like, it all comes back to On Cinema, which is, uh, I don't know, it's, it's interesting, but uh, On Cinema is strong this season, but uh, it's Oscar special. I don't know if anybody watched the on cinema Oscars special, the third annual one, but it was bizarre and just wonderful. I, I I put it on to procrastinate for a half hour and ended up watching the whole two hours and fifteen minutes.
0: <laughs> oh my God, that's really long. Is this all on YouTube or did yeah. they air it on Adult Swim or?
3: Yeah, it's on YouTube and uh, it it has no relevancy to the Oscars, so you could watch it whenever you want. Oh, that's good. It's, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. I haven't seen it. It's not on the adult swim uh
1: playlist. So I have not seen any of the Oscar specials actually. That's probably the only thing I have to catch up on.
3: Yeah, I'll I uh, I can send send out an email with the the link to the YouTube special, but yeah, that's that's just fascinating improv work. Um and on on brand improv work that's just it's unlike anything you've ever seen probably. Huh.
0: All right, I'll give it a watch. I, I mean, I love basically everything that they do, and I'm glad that they're in a, a at a point in their career where they can basically do anything they want, and right. no one can tell them otherwise. So, uh, yeah, check it out. All right, well, I'm just I just want to talk about Chappie for like a minute because it it probably doesn't deserve more than a minute. So we've been talking about you, you know follow ups to things. So Neil Blomkamp made. District Nine, and District Nine's pretty good. It's a it's a nice nice sci-fi movie. And then he made Elysium, which is just kind of like District Nine, except eh, a little bit shitty. And now he's made Chappie, which is exactly like District Nine and Elysium, except just incredibly shitty and incompetent on amazing amazing levels. Uh, it it's basically the story of a robot that that. Somehow develops human consciousness, and then bad things happen. And the movie tries to tackle every social and political issue you can probably think of, and it (laughs) it is a giant, giant mess. And probably the best part is, for some reason, the movie star stars uh, the South African hip hop group Die Antwoord. Die Antwoord. Die Antwoord. I I yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, Spoiler alert: They
2: can't act at all. (laughs) <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? That's yeah. A word of impression. <laughs> and then, but, but they don't—they're—they're they're
0: not playing characters. They just—they play themselves, but with guns in the future with robots, and they just hang out in their cool, like hip hop gangster compound with this robot, and it's all very strange. Nothing, in it works. But I think it's—it's it's my favorite type of of movie that I don't like. Where instead of something like say Transformers, where it sucks but it just feels like so hollow and you just it just has that gross corporate sheen to it. Everything in Chappie, you can tell that Neil not put everything into it and then just failed miserably. It's it's beautiful. It's almost like Tommy Wiseau level
3: fucking up. I I haven't seen anything by this guy, but from everything that I hear about like his agenda and stuff like that. It seems like he would be the guy at the house party that you really wish you hadn't started talking to.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty good way. That's that's a pretty good way to describe him. I could see that. <laughs> yeah, watch watch District Nine and then go. that hey, it was good, and then never watch anything he's ever done ever again, and you'll be better for it.
1: Yeah, he's, he see he's per, he's really heavy handed. <laughs> that's all I'll say. He he feels like he's got to jam a message in every piece of popcorn. That he possibly can it it makes no sense a lot of the time, but uh i don 't know he, he's he certainly uh is good at hiring Peter Jackson to do his special effects
0: yeah his special the special effects look incredible, but you can kind of say that about like almost any modern movie at this point, Um, <laughs> so I'd be like, you know it'd be nice to have a few other things in there that were that were worthwhile also aside from the here 's a rap group that I really like, you should listen to them like obvious product placement. <laughs> In the form of people, no less. There's some of the worst Sony product placement I have ever seen in my entire life. So Chappie is a robot who develops consciousness or whatever. And he's uh he's his body is dying because the robots they, they have batteries that can't be replaced. And so he's trying to develop this device in order to separate his consciousness from his body so he can put himself into another robot or something. Uh and none of that makes sense for a variety of reasons that I won't get into that the movie doesn't address. Well, but <laughs> when he finally figures out how to separate consciousness from bodies, he does it by <laughs> taking a stack of, like, eight PlayStation 4s and a Sony Bio <laughs>
1: laptop,
0: <laughs> and he plugs them all in together, and then he downloads the entire Internet to his body, and he and he learns how to harness the power of the PlayStation to, uh, you know, Separate human consciousness from
3: bodies.
0: Hmm. So, so you also, also have uh, like
3: uh, spidey sense.
0: Yeah, it's it, well, and then then the hu- human consciousness just like appears on the Vio laptop screen, and it, <laughs> it looks like uh, I don't, it looks like something you'd make in Mario Paint. <laughs> so you're telling so you're me playing like, my body is
2: a cage by Arcade Fire. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are, are we gonna achieve like uh, true artificial intelligence before the next console generation? Then, that's
2: that's what
0: it's looking like. That's what I took away from it. Is the PlayStation Five? You can put yourself into robots if you want.
1: Uh huh.
2: Well, now Steve, wasn't uh, Chappie supposed to be a sort of at least in spirit remake of Short Circuit? Yeah, it's it's basically Short Circuit meets
0: robots. We all know
3: the world needed that.
0: Yeah, of course, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, every time I watch Robocop, I go, gee, I wish this was a little bit more like Short Circuit or, like, fucking radio. Um to back to Fisher Stevens.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> J5 is bleeding to death. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: just, it's especially tough. I mean, you can compare it to Short Circuit. It's just like, okay, well, it's kind of like that, but I guess not as funny. It tries harder to be, like, a modern Robocop with, You know, things to say about apartheid or things like that, Um, and it just it fails miserably. Like every every single way that RoboCop is successful as a movie, Chappie just fails. It's it's incredible. Like if you had a RoboCop checklist, it it, Chappie fucking misses the checklist completely and just takes a shit in the corner of the room. It's really really a spectacle.
1: So would it be would it be fair to assume that it's that it's at least at the very least we're setting a very low bar here. Okay. Is, is it better than the RoboCop remake? It's
0: uh, yeah, it's better than the RoboCop remake, but that's okay. that's about as low as the bar goes.
1: That's pretty low bar. Pretty low bar. Low
0: uh, but you know, at, at the end of the day, one thing it, that it does have is it has Hugh Jackman's mullet, which kind of that that's what saves it from being completely disposable. Ah, uh,
1: old Jack human. Okay, I I have one more point here, uh, that doesn't make sense about your description of this movie that I haven't seen. Uh, (laughs) Ah! Please, go ahead! So, we're, we're, we're at the point of artificial intelligence, and we, we obviously still haven't come out with a PS5 for some reason. Ah! (laughs) No. But also, we haven't established. We have not achieved uh, removable batteries. We can't replace a battery in our artificial intelligence. They're just like, no, we're going to spend 10 million on this fucking robot, and then when the battery's shot, it's done. Well, that's.
0: Uh, I guess that's that sort of like by design. Um, the robots are, are supposed to fall apart because, in case of like evil robot uprising, it's supposed to keep them from doing bad things. But yeah, I, for some reason, the, the bodies can't can't stay uh, charged for more than, like, five days or something like that.
3: Well, I had a follow-up question to Maros' first question. Um, do you think that before we reach true artificial intelligence, Dev Patel will be anything worth, like, seeing for, like, five minutes? <laughs> no,
0: no. Actually, he's uh, he's pretty good in this movie. I mean, uh, Hugh Jackman is definitely the funniest thing in the movie and, and the most, like, engaging character on screen, but Dev Patel is the only one who seems like he's trying to act. Uh Hugh Jackman, to give you an idea of what his character's like, he wears, like, khaki, like, Docker shorts, and he's trying to figure out what Dev Patel's up to with this robot and his artificial intelligence. So he follows Dev Patel around, and then he just, like... He's squatting with these khaki shorts on. He's got, like, binoculars that he pulls out of his ass. He's like, Oh, cranky, a talking robot, on booby boo <laughs> It's, what? yeah, it's 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 really bad.
3: <laughs> so does he ever try to try to make Chappie into a, a Rock'em Sock'em robot? No, but he does have his own Rock'em Sock'em robot. See, Hugh Jackman with a mullet doesn't like Dev Patel's
0: robots because they basically run themselves. And Hugh Jackman wants a robot that's, that's controlled by humans or something and has, like, surface-to-air missiles. And it, it, Hugh Jackman's evil robot looks exactly like ED-209 from hmm. RoboCop. And that's not even like, you know, oh, I'm exaggerating, or oh, it's a, clearly an homage. It's, it's fucking ED-209. There's no difference between ED-209
1: and Hugh Jackman's robot. Can it climb stairs?
0: Uh, it does not encounter any stairs right. at, at all. Uh, so,
1: uh, my question would be, then, is this movie uh, in the same universe as Real Steel? Exactly. <laughs> I believe so. I mean, <laughs> if I had to go out on I'd say, yeah.
0: yeah. If, if we can assume that it's possible that 30 Rock and Kimmy Schmidt are in the same universe, then I would say it's just as possible, if not more so,
3: that but Real Steel in-
0: and Chappie are in the same universe.
3: But is it in the same universe as Steel? Yes. Also, yes. Does Shaquille O'Neal make an appearance?
0: That's that's an after the credit sequence shot. <laughs> I,
2: I have a question, <laughs> <laughs> Steve. A Sure. Do they set this up for a sequel? Um. Yes, but spoiler, in spoiler spoiler alert, does Chappie make it?
0: Uh, yeah, in
2: the dumbest way possible. Um, can Chappie get an IUD in the second movie? <laughs> I, I hope so. Yes. Uh okay, so like Chappie runs into this problem
0: when he's like separating human consciousness from bodies. Like he does it to uh the the little blonde woman in the rap group just fine, he does it to Dev Patel just fine, and he can't like do it to himself because he's a fucking robot, he doesn't have like real consciousness. So every time he tries to do it on the on the Sony bio it's like, oh error, error, you can't do it, you're a fucking robot. And then, for some reason, you think, like, he's going to come to this moment where he's like, oh, I'm not human, I'm just Chappy the robot, and we can never be real. That seems like the obvious thing. But after, like, five straight failures, it just works, for some reason? So then, at the end, Dev Patel's dead, blonde woman from De Antwood is dead, uh, oh. Chappy is dead, but their consciousness is is put into different robots. So the people become robots, and the robot becomes a different robot. Cause you know, we're, we're all, we're all the same on the inside. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. So do you want to take a hammer <laughs> to your electronics? in my guts too. I know, right? It's just, some of us bleed oil, man. <laughs> Americans do for sure,
0: right? right oh yeah. <laughs> uh, oh God. Okay. So that's, that's chappy. It's, it's a mess. Uh, don't see it unless it pops up on Netflix and you're drunk and someone's holding a gun to your head and you don't have anything better to do and you have a lot of morbid curiosity. Uh, hey, Steve. Uh-huh? You've got an article up on Shepherd Express. What the fuck is it about?
2: Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's um, because, you we said it cur- Go ahead. because we always stay current with current events. I'm talking about something that happened uh, now three weeks ago. Ah. where uh, John Stewart appeared on WWE Raw, which was also a storyline that had been going on for at least two weeks before he even showed up on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the article, I at least hope, kind of expresses how it was a very interesting marriage between sort of a uh, highbrow versus lowbrow cable show. Um, and I think that uh, I've already gotten some feedback on the article, actually, uh, through Facebook. Uh, through one of our other colleagues who shared the piece. And uh, they seemed a little bit offended, actually. They thought that for some reason I was taking to task wrestling fans for not being very intelligent beings and just being sort of these <laughs> slack-jawed who don't watch the news. And Jon Stewart was coming in to wash the unwashed masses, um, which is not the case at all. I think well, no, you're a wrestling actually, fan.
0: Did you, do you feel washed? Yeah. That-
2: <laughs> I, I feel, well, I am... Uh, Baptized Catholics, so of course I always feel <laughs> washed and cleansed. Um, that goes without, saying, of, of course. But, um, no, I think that wrestling fans in general are very. There are very many intelligent wrestling fans, just as there are for any fans or any audience of any media text. Mm-hmm. And um, what the point that I was trying to make is that it was very interesting to see somebody like John Stewart show up on WWE Raw. Uh, WWE obviously has a very long history of trotting out celebrities who have no idea what the product is. They just, yeah, just yeah. come in. And I think a classic example is, um, Jeremy Piven showing up as a guest host while he was promoting whatever that movie was where he's like a car salesman. For a few oh, years God. Ago. What the hell was that called? I, I, it's it, got a really long title. Like a really yeah, long yeah, title. It's a long title. It's like the titular name of the character and blah, blah, blah. He sells like, cars. Like, live fast,
0: drive cars, and sell them or something. Like, that's – something like
2: that. Yeah. And, like, and he's on Raw, and he's talking about SummerSlam, which is their annual August pay-per-view, and he calls it SummerFest.
3: SummerFest!
2: Like, <laughs> and not to mention that they have people like Betty White showing up on Raw – um, so, like, it's usually just, like, fleeting publicity sure. that they bring celebrities on to their broadcast, but the fact that Jon Stewart was so involved with the storyline for weeks on end and clearly knew what was going on even beyond his own storyline mm-hmm. within the WWE product was really amazing, and he shows up on live TV. It was really well-received by fans of wrestling. And then the next day, he's on his own set, and he's already, you know, taking shots at Benjamin Netanyahu. <laughs> um, I thought that it was uh, really great, and I think that it helped the WWE product for sure. But I also mm. think that it could have helped the Daily Show product in mm. that, like, it's sort of exposing that audience to something that they normally wouldn't tune into, but I don't know that that has had that effect. I think... Um, yeah, even, it, it,
0: it makes me wonder if people, like, just your standard, like, liberal college student who watches The Daily Show every night, like, do you think they turned, they tuned into Raw to see what Jon Stewart was going to do?
2: I don't think so. And I don't even know if they were aware of it. I don't know that The Daily Show necessarily promoted it, mm-hmm. um, which they didn't need to. But, um, yeah, I don't think that they were interested. I think that it's just something, wrestling is something very easy to you know scoff at or thumb your nose at you know sure it's it part of the cultural
1: <laughs> yeah i uh, here here's a question like if you wanted to spin this on uh, uh, in a different angle like you said you've been getting some flack for coming across as a little anti-wrestling even though that wasn't your intent what uh, I mean you could say that to me it seems clear that you know the wrestling fantasies john stewart would be way more apt to go check out his show than the Daily Show person who sees uh, Mr. Bulky Wrestler pop on would be to go check out Raw. So, you know, there's a certain open-mindedness in the wrestling audience that that probably doesn't exist in the Daily Show audience.
3: Yeah, and Mm -hmm. I
2: think that if you're a regular viewer of wrestling and maybe you've never watched the Daily Show, I think it's maybe a bit more difficult to transition from the Daily Show from wrestling to the Daily Show then it's a transition from res- from the Daily Show to wrestling
3: mm-hmm. which
2: isn't to say that wrestling is completely dumb although honestly as a fan a lot of it certainly is. Absolutely. Uh, um, <laughs> I think that um, I don't know I guess I kind of lost my train of thought there. Sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no. Oh, uh, by the way Steve it's uh, The Goods Live Hard, Sell Hard. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry, Jeremy Piven as a car salesman. Uh, no, I, I think you make a really good point. And then the other thing that I kind of really thought was interesting with the whole John Stewart WWE crossover was the way that that WWE in its you know reality era, that's what they they call it now, uh, deals with how their performers act uh, when when they're out of the ring or off of television. So in the past, if you ran into you know. Uh, Hulk Hogan or something in the airport in 1989, he would be the same Hulk Hogan that he is on TV, and Hulk Hogan is probably still largely that way. Or if you ran into uh, a bad guy at the time, so if you ran into the Million Dollar Man, he would probably act like a dick in 1989 if you ran into him at the airport because you know you get ahead to maintain this illusion. So when Seth Rollins came on the Daily Show, he was clearly like healing it up and you know antagonizing uh, John Stewart and whatnot. But at the same time he was on like Good Morning America or something three weeks three weeks prior and he was funny and charming and a, a perfect mm-hmm. gentleman. So it's interesting that they just whereas before you had to commit fully to being a bad guy all the time, uh now it seems like you can just kind of flip the switch whenever you need to and that and that's okay. Yeah.
2: And Seth Rollins, too, specifically is definitely an ambassador for WWE, the corporation, not so much the mm-hmm. product that they show on TV. Although it's kind of strange because just a few weeks before the Jon Stewart thing started, um, he got sort of busted by his fiance for this picture that he allegedly tweeted of a naked WWE wrestler female. Mm-hmm. And then she tweeted this picture of his penis. Yep. I saw his penis. Actually, I didn't see his penis. I saw, uh, it, the, the,
0: the image that was floating around on all the news sites online was just his, uh, money in the bank briefcase covering up his dong. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it just, it just looked like he was just like holding a briefcase with his crotch. But I assume there's penis under
1: there. Well, you've convinced me. I'm going to tune into Raw next week. <laughs>
0: Hey, you actually, this would be the week to do it, Myros, because WrestleMania is a week away. So t- uh, tomorrow it's night, good. Monday Night Raw, man, it's the uh, it's the the go home show for WrestleMania.
3: Yeah.
1: I don't think there's anything you could say to make me tune in anymore. Any, hey. any like any wrestler you could drop, like, oh, Sting you know? is wrestling at WrestleMania. Sting
0: is
2: gonna wrestle uh, Triple H.
1: Right. Yeah. But but everyone you could actually mention that I would care about is is dead. I think.
2: Well, I am, and it's funny you mention that, Adam, because I do know personally of a very avid wrestling fan who has been a fan of the product for years who is refusing to watch WrestleMania this year. And it's because of the way WWE this year seems to be treating its audience in that they're kind of just pushing the characters forward that they like instead of the characters that the audience is clearly behind. And that's still what I think makes wrestling such a unique media text in that they have to completely rely on the audience, rela- on audience reactions because it's a live show, they pay the salaries, it's not like a TV show. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, wrestling is a TV show, it is a fictionalized series. But um you know, writers for a show like say, I don't know, even Mad Men, if they just, you know, killed off Don Draper midway through the series, they would just <laughs> have to accept that and they would probably stop watching. But, um, but show, shows like
3: um, shows like you know, so you think you can dance and like The Voice, that type of thing, uh, that relies a lot on um, audience participation.
0: Sure, sure. So imagine matter? imagine a world where uh, everybody voted for person A on American Idol and they got like, oh, so-and-so Ruben got Standard. 80% of the vote. And then, yeah, Ruben, Ruben Sutter got 80% <laughs> of the vote. And and then Vince McMahon walks out, and he's like, nah, Kelly Clarkson. And then the
1: audience revolts,
0: basically. Uh, that would never happen on American Idol, but it happens in wrestling from time to time.
1: Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. When Macho Man died, I think uh, that was the end of my interest. No. If they were like, hey... <laughs> Appearing this week he on did WrestleMania
2: <laughs> ten years after he
1: retired. Yeah, well, they could always wheel him back out at least. <laughs> <laughs> I was always he waiting. Is <laughs> here, by the
0: way. Yeah, I was going to the Hall of
1: Fame this year. I was always kind of waiting, you know, when Macho Man wasn't around. I'm like, all right, one of these weeks they're going to be like, hey, hey ready Savage. i will be like, yeah, all right, I am <laughs> ready. I'm fucking in, but no, he never came back, and then and then he died. If they were like, hey, next week on WrestleMania, Chris Benoit, I'd be like, oh, shit, i got to get out of this. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, no that's not going to happen.
2: Speaking of uh, Chris Benoit, they actually, um, and actually Steve Cuff, I believe, he brought this video to my attention, the uh, Wrestling Isn't Wrestling video. That's oh, yeah, up. that's what I was going to put over this week. <laughs>
1: oh, again. Oh, with oh, the, oh. again.
0: <laughs> well, you know what, here's the good thing. We're we're, we're closing in on an hour, so we, we can start putting shit over.
1: Yeah, let's transition in this.
0: Perfect transition, Steve. Were you going to put over the same video?
2: No, I wasn't. I was just going to talk about it in this segment. But we—I oh. uh, won't. I'll let you just put it over right, later. I'll put—I'll put, put it over really quick, and then—and
0: then you can talk about it a little bit more if you want to. Okay, so this week I'm putting over a YouTube video. Uh, which one? It's, which one is it? It's um—it's just—it's all of them actually. If you just—if you just, go of there, YouTube. You just start at the beginning and just kind of go through them, <laughs> YouTube.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, it's called it's called Wrestling Isn't Wrestling. Uh and it was made by Max Landis, who I think is John Landis' son. Am I right? Is yeah. that a right thing? Oh John Landis is in the video. Yeah, that's that's how I put two and two together, I just assumed. Uh so anyways, it's Max Landis and it's sort of it's structured in the same way as like drunk history almost. It's just him kind of talking about wrestling and then there's people uh sort of acting out what what he's saying. And he tells the story of, you know, why people, under we, we all understand as wrestling fans that wrestling is fake, but that's not why people watch wrestling. So, you know, why why does wrestling work as this long, drawn-out drama? And he tells the story of the career of Triple H, and the people who are sort of acting out the story are fucking hilarious, and uh, he, he gender-swapped all of the wrestlers, so you just have these like two women playing Triple H and Shawn Michaels and, and yelling at each other, and it's It's incredible. It's really, really well done. So whether or not you are a wrestling fan, you do not need to be a wrestling fan to enjoy this, uh, Sean and Myros. So, yeah, wrestling isn't wrestling on YouTube. I will watch a second episode of iZombie. You two need to watch this.
1: Uh, I have a quick question. Sure. Does anyone die in a tragic helicopter accident? (laughs) No. No, no one
0: dies (laughs) in a tragic helicopter accident, But, but... There is a Chris Benoit part in it. So there's a woman playing Chris yeah. Benoit.
1: So, so they, someone does die tragically.
0: Well, I mean, she doesn't, there's no, there's no like, murder-suicide in the video. But well, I mean, it's not like Vic
1: Morrow dies in the movie,
0: per se. That's, that's true. It's
1: that's all true. in the subtext.
0: It's in the subtext, yes. 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 Well, so the subtext
2: out. of the video is he just tells the story of the wrestling career, so the kayfabe, if you will, yeah, career yeah. of Triple H. Mm.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Oh so, yeah, it's good. Just watch it, Sean. You'll
0: love
3: it. Okay. Hey, will <laughs> I will I love it as much as Steve's uh, Monica Lewinsky zinger? Yes, yes you will. Twice as
0: much. All right. it's not as good as my Linda Tripp zinger
1: though.
2: <laughs> oh, so hot.
0: <laughs> Steve, Steve, what are you putting I'm over? Sorry. It's all
2: right. What am what are I
1: you putting, putting over?
2: Yeah. Uh, what am I putting over? Oh dear. Um. Jesus Christ. Whoa, the Alpha see. Five. What did I... Alpha Five. Yeah, Alpha Five. Uh, the uh, the character from uh, Power Rangers. Actually, is what I'm put over this week. Ay <laughs> <No. laughs> Um. Well, why don't I just go ahead and put over uh, Russell which is this weekend. All right, we're um, done on wrestling. <laughs> yeah, why the hell not? Um, I think it, it could be a potentially interesting thing to watch if you're not a fan, actually, because um, I think if you ever want to see somebody get booed by 80,000 people for doing something that's supposed to be good, this is a good thing to watch because I think yeah. that's what's going to happen. That's, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be magic. If you want to watch 80,000 people get really angry, For a fictional reason, you should watch it. Mm -hmm. So
0: what what is going to happen?
2: What's going to happen is there's a title match
0: between Brock Lesnar, who is the current champion, and Roman Reigns, who is The Rock's cousin in real life. Uh, And he's he's supposed to be like the new face of the company. Like it's very clear that they just want him to be like the next Hulk Hogan or John Cena. Uh, So they've been pushing it very hard. Except the fans sort of realize this, and they're like, eh, ah, we don't like him that much. We like this other guy, Daniel Bryan. He kind of looks like a goat. Uh, so the crowd wants the goat man to win, uh, but he doesn't even get a title shot. And so they're very upset at Roman Reigns for basically just being like a corporate pawn. And this is not Roman Reigns' fault, but regardless of that, 80,000 people are going to boo him when he wins the title. See,
1: well, oh. Why don't they just keep Lesnar winning? It seems like a fair...
0: Well, because Brock Lesnar hasn't re-signed his contract, which is ah. up after WrestleMania, in, again, in real life, and Brock Lesnar is contemplating going back to UFC. So if Brock Lesnar signs a contract in the next week, that could very well happen. Uh, if he doesn't, then 80,000 people are going to boo a hard-working <laughs> athlete.
1: See, this Daniel Bryan fellow, working in retail, we do sell the occasional uh, WWE action figure. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen the Daniel Bryan, and it is a dead ringer for uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Really?
0: Oh, because it's probably when he had his short hair. I could see that.
1: Yeah, I was like, what is this, a Hacksaw Jim Duggan action figure? Why yeah, is now he funny? he, um,
2: he oh, looks Daniel. like a homeless
1: guy, and uh, he's probably about 5'10".
2: No, go ahead, Steve. He is from the area. So you may run into him someday. Hey, there you go. You never know. If you see a if you
0: see a Maybe guy with like cool. shoulder length hair and a beard uh, about my height, and he he probably has muscles somewhere, but he's he's a little soft. You know, he just looks like a guy. He looks like a, a hipster or a, or a person who sleeps on park benches.
1: Usually if I'm walking around town and see a guy who looks like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, I just kind of cross the road the other way.
0: Because <laughs> I, like, I thought you would grab him by the shoulders and scream, HO! Oh, into
1: their face. But, <laughs> USA! USA! Yeah, that's what I do to all the hobos. I'm like,
0: HO! Hey, oh. <laughs> hey, aren't you happy to be a hobo? USA! <laughs> USA! <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh my God! All right, uh, Sean, what are you putting over? Oh, hey guys. Um, hey. <laughs> so I'm I'm not putting over uh, a specific uh, media wrestler? text, but <clears throat> or yeah, I'm not putting over wrestling. I'm uh, Not a wrestler. Uh, not a particular <laughs> media text, but um, rather a concept uh, for people that um, of of people like me that can take advantage of this. Um, so. I uh have quite a collection of DVDs um and Blu-rays and I'm always uh you know uh increasingly moving towards streaming I'm still trying to find ways that like I can appreciate um my collection in in different ways that streaming doesn't um, offer and so what I've been doing um is trying to I, I went through a whole bunch of of uh, my stacks and looked for um, extras or like uh, supplemental stuff um, gotcha. to to go through. Um, the problem is is that uh, a lot of these extras are coming come in the way of like uh, you know behind the scenes, like on on set, little like docu documentary things, and they're garbage. Um, so basically, what I've been doing like uh, while while I'm like working on something or cleaning my room or or uh, you know, just things like that. I've, I've been putting on, um, director commentaries. Um, so, so I don't have to like watch the movie, but I can, I can kind of hear it. And if I'm interested in what they're saying, I can, I can, you know, uh, look at the TV and try it and figure out, uh, you know, what context they're talking about. Um, so, so far I I went through the, the two, uh, Derek, uh, Cienfrancay movies, um, Blue Valentine and uh, The Place Beyond the Pines and listen to that director commentary and, um, and you, you know it's it's very similar to listening to a podcast uh, you just listen to somebody talk about uh, their work or, or yeah or someone else's work um, sure, sure. And but what's interesting about these is that um, I, I feel like like I said people moving towards uh, streaming stuff uh, these will be um, increasingly buried and uh, like you know you don't hear people talking about like directors' commentaries anymore, and um so I don't know I'm trying not to to forget about forget about them and um it's it's proving worthwhile
0: that's that's a really good point. I never thought about that yeah. Yeah, you're right, like when you stream something you you don't get any of the extras, and a lot of times you take the extras for granted, but there's uh there's some good shit out there, so I don't
1: know. Yeah. Uh, question. The
0: commentary on the legend of Bagger advance is uh i I'd say it's it's legendary, you know. He uh, he comes off as a personable guy. I'd call him ordinary people.
3: Oh, uh, Will Smith blessing. was so great
1: in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got, he's got great form, great golf form.
3: He's really great to work with.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so They're question for the- question for Sean on uh, since he's going Derek C in France on uh Have you seen Brother Tide?
3: I have no idea what you're talking about. Brother Tide
1: is his like early movie, like way, way oh, back. Oh, I think he referenced it.
3: The... Um, I think he referenced it in one of the commentaries, but no, why?
1: I don't know uh, because he's a great director, and it's. Uh, I'm just wondering if anyone no. has seen it. And uh, uh, i, I never really heard, heard of him him it. before. No, that's his first movie, like long, long before uh, Blue Valentine.
3: Hmm.
1: Have you seen Amiros? No, no, that's that's why I inquire. Uh, I, I'm interested. Well, he, in he is wondering. It. If anyone had seen it, if if it was worth seeking out, because it's kind of a hey, maybe maybe one
3: of the listeners has, yeah, maybe yeah, they speak
1: could, up,
0: maybe. Yeah, they I mean, could, yeah. There's, I mean, there, there's there's tens, hundreds of thousands of them, so uh, I'm sure one of the, one of our hundreds of thousands of avid listeners have probably seen it. So yeah, if it, if it's good, let us know. You can you can tweet us on Twitter at Optimism Vaccine. That's the thing
1: you can do. You can follow us there too. Maybe if they rated and reviewed us, they could be like, hey, here's a review of Brother Tide. Yeah, just <laughs> next next time you
0: re, yeah go on iTunes and review our podcast, but don't actually review the podcast. Just uh just review the movie Brother Tide.
1: But only the if you only if you really liked Brother Tide. Yeah, maybe. only if
0: you really like. If you didn't like Brother Tide, stay the fuck away from our <laughs> iTunes page.
3: <laughs> the right only now. way the only way you can make yourself known to any of us is through a five star review on iTunes.
1: <laughs> yeah, <sir.
0: laughs> that's it.
3: <laughs> uh
1: Baris, what I'm, are you putting over? I am, uh, you know, I've been waffling all week, and then, uh, later in the week, I, I've been watching Oz, and that's a misery fest, so, uh, I kinda got away from
3: it for a bit. Yeah, someone uh, just told me, Rob? A, a friend just told me to not watch that unless everything in your life is going alright. Yeah, no, I,
1: I it was, <laughs> it's on my, my TV bucket list, you know, it's on the Prestige TV. Same. You know, see it eventually. Uh, yeah, it sucks i mean it's it's not terrible but it's it is miserable uh anyway i i wanted to get away from that for a bit because of uh relentless misery and uh thereby I watched h b o s the jinx uh it's kind of in the in the zeitgeist at the moment uh yeah this uh documentary about uh Robert durst and uh, the alleged murders he's been involved with. Uh, it's the same guy who did, uh, Capturing the Freedmans, which is one of my, oh. yeah, one of my all-time favorite documentaries, and this is a, a short series of, uh, of, you know, it's an extended documentary, if you will, it's about a six-hour documentary, uh, yeah, it's fantastic, it, you can really, like, Cuff could attest that watching true crime documentaries with be is generally a... An entertaining exercise in me hollering at the television. Yeah, it's pretty uh, good. It's entertaining. <laughs> it's yeah. like my own director's commentary right in the room. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm the sort of guy who who's really into reasonable doubt, you know? <laughs> like, if they're making a true crime documentary about your, your trial, chances are you should have been acquitted, because uh, if there there's obviously reasonable doubt if there's enough material to make a, a compelling... Uh, piece of film about the trial. Uh, <laughs> so it, it generally ends in me just hollering angrily at the screen about how the fuck could you convict this guy if uh, there's all these questions involved. Anyway, uh that's why the jinx is so fascinating to me, because you can tell uh, Andrew Jarecki, the director, kind of, he made a movie about this gentleman, uh, Robert Durst, beforehand, and... Durst was kind of taken with the movie to the point that he agreed to a, an interview with a guy, wanted to kind of get his his side of the story across, and you can see Jarecki, who, who's obviously kind of coming from the the same viewpoint that I am, of oh god, reasonable doubt, holler, 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 Uh yeah, and and you can see it twist from episode to episode to him being convinced. That this guy is guilty of sin and he's murdered several people, and and uh, it's it's just a really fascinating thing to watch. And then the last couple episodes have a, a couple big reveals, and it's yeah, it's very compelling. It's it's one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time. One quick question before we uh,
0: we wrap things up for this episode: Do you think Fred Durst will ever get the six-hour <laughs> documentary treatment?
1: This is a thing. Like people have conv- confused Robert Durst and Fred Durst in like news stories. and stuff.
0: Oh, I know. There was there was like a thing. Uh, was it? It wasn't the Guardian. Maybe it was the Daily Mail or something. But I saw like a screencap of a retraction from a, <laughs> a UK newspaper. It's just like <laughs> Robert Durst is not the singer of Limp Biscuit as previously reported. It's,
3: like, capturing <laughs> capturing the biscuits. Yeah, capturing the biscuits. Huh?
1: It, yeah, this this movie is, or this series, I suppose, is it really takes a lot from Errol Morris, you know? It yeah. it it, re, it has a lot of those thin blue line recreation scenes. It's again incredibly well done, incredibly compelling. I can't recommend it enough. Uh and you know,
0: if if you got a chainsaw and you skin someone's ass raw, then you're gonna have to <laughs> you're gonna have to spend some time in jail,
1: as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, you know the other thing that happens in this that that is against all my rules of documentary filmmaking is because of the extended narrative and the way it plays out, uh Jarecki ends up like inserting himself in the narrative essentially, which is oh, wow. it, it's a big no no. It's a big Michael Moore, freaking what's his name guy who eats McDonald's. Uh, oh, bad Morgan. Morgan Spurlock. Spurlock. Yeah, yeah. Morgan Spurlock move. Uh, uh, and and Jarecki actually pulls it off without coming across as an egotistical jer- jerk off. He's it's like, you know, he is doing it reluctantly and as, with journalistic intent. And it's again, it's impressive to see someone come across to to pull that move
3: in a documentary and not be like, oh, you sack of shit. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Spurlock, I saw one of the. Uh, all-time great click hole articles the other day. It was, um this guy ate nothing but McDonald's for a whole meal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you'll never guess what happened next. All right, guys, uh that about wraps things up for this week. So I just want to remind all of our listeners, if you haven't had the chance to yet, please go to our iTunes page, rate our podcast, write a review. Uh, the more reviews that we get on our podcast, the easier we are to find so we can continue to build an audience and, uh, you know, start to interact with you guys. If you want to email us, you can email us, uh, opvaccasts at optimismvaccine.com. That's a thing that you can do. You can find us on Twitter at optimismvaccine, and you can tweet at us, and you can follow us, and Sean will maybe tweet back at you because he's been running the Twitter account because uh, I'm terrible at it, bad at the social medias. <laughs> so... Uh, and with that I guess I think that's that's about it. So Steve as always last words yours.
2: Um breakable.